Good evening, and welcome to the Remarkable Essence podcast. I am Don Lonikazi, your host. A lot of has happened since this time last year. We are now trending towards coming out of this pandemic, and people are being reunited with their friends and their family. Large crowds are gathering in stadiums, TV shows, and concerts are coming back alive, and we are adapting to our new normal. I am fully vaccinated and want to make sure that I stay healthy and boost my immune system also during these times. That's why I take Goli gummies. These delicious apple-flavored gummies are part of my daily routine. Just for listening to this podcast, you can get a discount using my promo code, Remarkable Essence. Now, let's get into tonight's show where we will hear from my special guest, Melissa Alaba, CEO of Vision Works Coaching and Counseling. Melissa is a breakthrough coach, speaker, published author, creator of the Be Heal Transformation Process. She is also a therapist, moneyologist, mama, and chocolate lover. Melissa helps her clients find their money blueprint so that they can heal old money wounds and break generational cycles of lack, uh, have life-changing financial breakthroughs in their business and personal life. Helping women heal from the inside out has allowed Melissa's clients to better relationships, feel more confident, create business and life that they love and make more money with ease. Melissa is the author of Live Out Loud, 52 Ways to Reawaken Your Spirit and Live a Life of Purpose, which was featured in the movie 72 Hours. Melissa's advice has been featured in Ebony Magazine, U.S. News and World Report, Parents Magazine, Red Book, and ABC Online. She has made live appearances on Fox News and CBS, as well as given talks at countless events. Melissa is an advocate of women's rights, equal pay, and financial liberation for women. And when she's not working, as you can see, she has a lot on her plate and her resume. You can find her on the golf course, playing with her grandchildren, or reading a good book. So without further ado, I would like to introduce to you Melissa Alaba. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for such a warm welcome. And Melissa is fine. Okay. You know, <laughs> I like to make sure I'm putting emphasis where I emphasis needs to be made. So. No, that is absolutely fine. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And you guys may not know this, but Melissa was on my web TV and radio show that I had about seven years ago. So, of course, this is now the revival of Remarkable Essence of this in this podcast format. But she was my very first guest on my very first show. So talk about things coming full circle, Melissa. A lot of things I know have happened since then. So I'm glad we're able to play catch up. And our listeners are also able to gain some practical principles around moneyology. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Seven years. I can't believe it. It's been, that is crazy. Time just flies by when you're having fun. So it's been a journey. Can you share with us um, just to start on the practice um, and what they do and what, and what you do to serve women of color? So currently, and I've had multiple businesses, like a lot of folks who are um, what I like to call ADHD entrepreneurs, right? So I've had multiple businesses, done a lot of 
um, passion-filled things. But currently, I run um, a very wonderful uh, boutique coaching um, practice where we serve women of color and really during this time just helping black women heal from the inside out in all areas of their life. That's phenomenal. And can you tell me what are black women looking for? What are they calling forth now? Whew, I think they're calling for the deep healing, honestly, that goes all the way back to our ancestors. Mm. I'm seeing people, you know, our clients are looking to heal wounds from, you know, um, relationship issues, things that they picked up in patterns from their parents um, and which their parents picked up from their parents, whether that is relationships in which they're not able to truly be themselves um, to to create the way they want to create. Or maybe they were in relationships that were abusive um, in a lot of different ways and just never gave voice to it. So we're seeing women, you know, shed shame, shame around being a single mom, single shame around being a divorcee, um, stepping into who they want to be in the marketplace. So beginning to use their voice at work um, and starting to combat the patriarchal system. I mean, like there's so many different things. So when I think of it, it's like, I just need to take a breath <laughs> because it's like a woosah. It's everything. Women are saying, hey, I, especially black women, I want to make more money. I want to be I want to be able to provide better for my family. I'm tired of not being um, the earner that I want to be. And I'm, I'm tired of, you know, under earning. Like, it's just so many different things that they're seeing that it was like a systematic thing and they're ready just to shut it down. And it sounds like you said you're able to help them identify those things and the root cause of yes. why they feel the way they feel or why they act the way they act. Um, and like you said, some of that is cyclical, right? It's generational. Mm-hmm. Um, it's things that they probably didn't realize. Like you said, their their forefathers and mothers actually did the best they could during the time frame of when they had to do it. Yes. Um, Nowadays, we have a lot of things happening, right? A lot of causes, a lot of new laws have come into effect, but we still have to continue to fight the good fight. And, And it all begins within. Like you said, you're healing them from the inside out. And so that's awesome that you're able to help them tap into those areas where um, they're not able to identify and then hopefully help them to continue to grow uh, those areas as well and those aspects in their lives. So uh, you talked about childhood trauma and how that could be linked to finance. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. And before I jump into that, I just want to, you know, like piggyback off on the last thing that we said. So a lot of times, you know, we have women who can definitely identify where things started from. So I I saw the other day, Tina Turner's, um, she did another biopic, her last one. And in this story that's now on HBO, she shares how in her age, I think she's almost 80, she still suffers from traumatic, uh, post-traumatic stress from the abuse that she suffered from Ike. And just the mention of his name brings something back for her. So what we're seeing is that the generation before us, and I am 45, so anybody listening, I'm 45. So the generation before me, because of her and women like her, Iyanla Van Zandt, who shared their stories, women women of color were sharing their stories, but did not really understand how to fully heal that pain, 
right? Mm -hmm. Or to get themselves out of those relationships. So they start talking about it, but they still had that emotional residue. And so a part of our work is now getting the shame off of having that. Because again, you know, and when you go through something dramatic like that, it's shame that is associated with it. It's almost like you didn't do something right. You put yourself in that situation. Your marriage doesn't work, especially as a black woman. Well, well you need to go fix it. No matter what he's doing, he could be yeah. beating you. He could be, you know, cheating. He, he may not be financially contributing. It's like, go home and make that work. Yes, Pray right. on it. And so, yes, so these are the trappings that set us up for a mindset that doesn't allow us to thrive. So when we, you know, stepping back into that situation where you're talking about childhood trauma linked mm-hmm. to, um, you know, being an under earner and not having a steady income or whatever the case, or to grow for the things that we really like or desire is that repeated pattern of, of seeing that. So mm-hmm. what I do, I do a VIP day with, with women in which we look at the patterns from my mother and the patterns from my father, and we're able to identify on both ends the lessons that we were taught. And then we have to cut those things off at the root because most times we have some core beliefs that we didn't even know that was put into us. One of the things my mom used to say to me is, and she would say this regularly, you know, I got to steal from Peter. I had to rob from uh, Peter to pay Paul. Hey, Paul. I know. So imagine if you grow up with that, what that says is I never have enough. I'm barely yeah. getting by. So unconsciously, we're programming our kids when they hear it. I never have enough. I'm barely getting by. So mm-hmm. as a young person, that's exactly what would always be happening to me. That like I would cool. be juggling a phone bill with the light bill <laughs> because I'm because I thought that's the way it had to be done because yes. that's what was programmed into me. You sit up so like so we true. never have enough. Or I would hear from my dad who was very tight on money. You have to save, 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 right? So it would be like two modes of learning. So mm-hmm. if money wasn't working right, I'm like, well, I'm not saving right. Never taking into account that I was under earning. Never taking into account that I was being paid less than my counterpart at my same job. Never taking into account that I wasn't getting the lateral positions that my counterparts were getting. You see, the shame, I'm putting the shame and blame on me. And so because of that, I couldn't take the necessary steps to get to where I wanted to money-wise because I'm stuck in this place of thinking it's my issue. And so when we're stuck like that in, in the shame and we, then we become more invisible because we think if I just save enough, I could get to the next thing. Not understanding that our programming has us making decisions that are not in our best benefit. Yeah. And so that's what we work to do is we work to break down the, pro, the old programming and then we can set up those new desires. You can't say, hey, I'm going to be a six-figure boss. I'm going to be a, a seven-figure boss if you can't even manage the 40K that you have. or yeah. you, you know what I mean? And again... If it, when I think about 40K, it's not to make anybody say, oh, my God, that's all I'm making. No, it's just to say at 40K, you're not earning enough to be able to make it. And you're not. So is, now we got to create a new stream. You are so you are so right. And funny you say that. I think sometimes people try to keep up with what they see. Right. Yeah. Or they see other people doing and they see yeah. them either traveling or they see they're driving a certain type of car or, you know, just the activities. And like the saying goes, you try to keep up with the Joneses, or I call them the Robinsons as well. No offense yeah. to anybody with last name Robinson. But you, know, <laughs> uh, you just, you look at that and you're like, wow, I wish I could afford that. Or I want to be able to afford that. And sometimes bad, those bad habits are also, uh, you know, generational and 
you pick them up and you're trying to live above your means. And you might be making enough money because you have people six figures that are broke. You have millionaires that are broke, yeah. right? That we know of, of one that or a few that have filed bankruptcy many times, right? Yes. And is that the right way to handle money and you know yeah. your finances? So there, it could go both ways. You are so right, especially I think a lot of times that were we in a place to where we were left a lot of land or we may have left been left a lot of money or our our grandparents left us $100,000 so we could go to college and we didn't have to worry about student loans, you know, things like that. So building generational wealth definitely um, helps. And I, I know that, you know, you're helping these women get on the path to be able to not only build themselves up, but build that generational wealth. You know, Absolutely. And, and one of the things that I would say is the first thing is to knock down the shame. If you got credit card sh- debt, so what? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If you got student loan debt, so what? These are things that we had to do in a lot of instances to get to where we needed to be. Exactly. You know what I mean? And so now the next thing is to be able to figure out a plan to get to where you want to be. For your under earners, it's, you know, so based on what you just said, and, and this is so true. So for your under earners, one of the biggest things is helping them to get to an income that actually would sustain their lifestyle. So a lot of times when we see, you know, like the under earner and they have the Louis Vuitton bag, I, I'm telling you, sis, I don't fault you for that because that's what that's what you desire. Mm. The only thing that I would say is let's just look at how we can get those bags <laughs> and have the money filled in that bag at the same time yes. by adding a side business by, you know what I'm saying? Like adding contributing more to, to your, your wealth by making some decisions, maybe even in your partnership so that everybody's contributing, you know, those type of things. But it's, it's basically on a one-on-one basis. And then, you know, um, how we determine what needs to happen. But when you talk about folks who've had millions and they lose, again, that truly a lot of times comes from the programming. And it's like you can only keep what you've been programmed to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I say to people all the time, it's okay that you've made money mistakes. We all do. They really are lessons. The biggest thing is, is that as women, I want you to know you can program yourself for success. You can literally start to learn how to do better. You can learn about investing. It's a skill. Mm-hmm. And we are all like uh, Robert Kiyaki, I think uh, Kiyosaki said, we're one skill away from being a millionaire. We all are. And yeah. that is just a skill that you can learn about. I've, mm-hmm. So often women are told that you're bad with money. You need to save more. No, you need to earn more. Do you ever notice that men don't clip coupons? Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a clip coupon? Like rarely, right? Nope, that's <laughs> or, or run out because Coles has a clearance. Or exactly. <laughs> or trying to catch the sale. They go into the store and buy what they want. There you go. And the reason why is because they earn more. If there's something that they want, they get super, super focused. They might get a side job. They're going to go in and ask for that raise. They're going to get what they desire. So the messages that they get is just get it. That's why I remember when I was a teenager, one of the biggest things when I was dating was the guys who had the car. Like as a young adult, Mm -hmm. it's like if somebody had a car, they were big stuff. Right. And it was like, how do they get a car? You know, and it was interesting because guys are programmed from the very young to have big items. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So when they get a family, the first thing they want to do is get a house. Women, on the other hand, a lot of times we're programmed to wait for the man. When you get the man, then you get the house. Mm -hmm. So flipping the script, I have young women that I've helped purchase their first home this year 
because I'm like, what are we waiting for? Well, you know, and they were like, my mom, and they're like, I don't know what I'm waiting for. You know, like old programming. And so that's what we have to be able to do is get rid of some of this old programming that says that we're not enough and then make some different money moves. That is so true. And you know what? It's funny you say that because, uh, you know, growing up, I remember I used to ask my dad, well, just write a check, write a check. And he'd be like, Don, you can't just write a check. You have to have money in the bank. And I didn't have the concept of money being in the bank and, you know, and writing a check. It was just like, and I think a lot of adults even still have that concept. Like, we well, you know what? I'll just write a check and pray that it makes <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and it doesn't bounce. Look, and they got the concept, but they still going to try to write that check or make it stretch. So. Yes. <laughs> yep. So what shifts can women do to make uh, more money with ease? So one of the things with making more money with ease, and the reason why that came to me is because, you know, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 23, and I never really worked hard, like, ever. I was thinking about this the other day, like, I've never really worked hard. This is such a blessing. Um, but I would come up with a concept and build a business around it, and then I always had a team. So for me, what ease was is to prioritize your family first. So I did this course the other day was 20 ways to make an extra 2K each month. Um, and I did that for the sister circle program that I started because there are so many different ways to bring in an extra $2,000 a month with ease. Meaning like for women that I'm seeing, especially like my single women, I don't want you to go get a part-time job on the weekend. Mm -hmm. I would much rather you rent a room in your house and earn an extra thousand dollars. I would much rather you rent out your car, you know, on Turo and earn an extra thousand dollars a month. I would much rather you take, um, and this was something that I talked about in the video, how I love luxury bags. My daughter started that out first with all these little, you know, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, any bag you could think of a product, and then she would flip them. And then I saw her do that, and then I kind of got in the habit, like I would go somewhere, I see a bag, and I'm like, how much that bag? But you can flip bags for $1,500, $2,000 a month, buy a pack, bag and sell it. And again, you're doing this from your home, selling furniture, you know, from your garage, a person coming to you versus you, you know, so these are small items, but a way to bring in extra income. That's what I mean by with ease. Sitting down, thinking about what your lifestyle is and what's going to fit into your lifestyle. What's some things I already love and I already have going on? And how can I make that work for me versus this hustle mentality of I'll just go get another job or I'll just drive around town dropping people. <laughs> You're going to be exhausted. <laughs> and, and on the flip side, you, you know, you're talking about maybe under earners or people that are, are not making enough over earners that's gonna put you in another tax bracket yes so, <laughs> so, so having a business literally cures a lot of stuff because exactly. it does you business and like real that. estate i'm telling you cures a lot of ills yes yes and definitely that's something people need to know about it's like hey have something like you said everybody has a gift yeah. As a matter of fact jesus was the ultimate entrepreneur so he gave us that gift, and all of us have it within us. I remember my son in in seventh grade asked me to get him some, I think, bubble yum from, you know, the store. And I was like, why does he want some bubble yum? So I got packs of bubble yum. Girl, come to find out, he was selling the bubble yum for 25 cents in middle school. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, everybody got has it in them. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yep. So um, why are most women 
uncomfortable talking about money? Uh, a lot of times it has to do with shame. You know, mm. they've been we've been programmed that we're not good with money or that we've made money mistakes or we don't have enough save that we think we should have at this particular age. Um, or if you're doing really well, so you you know you're making six figures plus, then you you have shame because you're you're doing you feel like you know you're doing better than other people. And to talk about your issues, which you have issues there too. Mm-hmm. It might be some issues at work. It may be like you don't like you're not getting the respect that you need, or you're not getting the time. I've, I've met a lot of women who are doing really well, and, and part of our counseling is them helping them set boundaries on their time. You don't need to pick up every project that's thrown out to you. That is so um, cool. Yeah, but a lot of times they think they do because it's like, I'm in this position. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the only black woman here. If I don't take it, they're going to think I'm not, you know, I'm not worthy. So helping them sit in their worthiness is so big at that level. But at that level, they don't want to share what they're making because they don't want other people to feel bad when in actuality you sharing your success and how much you're making and, you know, the real estate, maybe you own your home and then you bought another rental home. That would help someone else be able to figure out how to get out their situation. Mm-hmm. So we as women have to start normalizing, talking about money. That's what men do when they get together. And you don't have to be masculine. I think a lot of times we, we confuse masculinity and femininity when men talk about the money. And, I, you know, we just talk about the per- No, baby, I want money in my bag. I want to talk about the designer bag, the designer yeah. shoes that's out, yeah. and the money I have in my 401ks and my investments as well. Let's talk about all of it. Because you know what? We should never, um, like you said, we should never undercut ourselves. We should never say, well, I can only afford X, Y, Z. And and maybe you will for a moment, but hey, you got to have goals. Like I remember years ago, you you hosted, I think it was in in January, your vision workshop, a vision Mm -hmm. board workshop. And, you know, your thing was, okay, what is, what do you think about? You know, what is what are you meditating on? What is your vision? And some people, it might have been having a family if they didn't have a family started or, uh, or, you know, a spouse. And then some were like, no, I want big house. I want big car. You know, put put those things out there and then so that you can achieve them. But the thing is, you got to, you know, without the vision, people will perish. You know, the word even tells us that. So we have to make sure that we have some type of vision and something goals to look forward to and then have a plan on how we're going to get there. Absolutely. Yeah. So so what are ways that you are helping people to find joy or how have you found even joy in your life? Because I know you've been through a lot, especially, like I said, since we last spoke. And so so let's let's kind of digress a little bit. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about that. How, how do you, Melissa, find joy? Absolutely. So I think one of the things you're talking about, like been through a lot, you know, I'm a cancer survivor. I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer in 2014. Um, and then was announced, <laughs> I always like to say it now, announced cancer-free in 2017. Yes. Um, and so for me, my life is very different post-cancer than it was previous cancer. Mm-hmm. Meaning like, remember I was talking about I don't like to work a lot? I like really don't work as much now because it's like I have all these other regimens and stuff I have to do. That's right. So joy for me is having time. I thought about this the other day. Um you know, I'm not a multimillionaire, but I am wealthy in a lot of ways because I've always been able to have time. And so just to be able to leave my office, go home like yesterday to read a book, um, have the grandkids on, on the weekend. Like I think my uh, grandkids are coming over this Saturday. Um, and then we're going to the beach on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Time is very important. And I think like having that experience really taught me that. Um, I love to just savor the time that I have. 
and then given to others in a very purposeful way so that they can have what they desire in life is so important to me. You know, and now, of course, that we are post pandemic, I'm like everybody else. I'm looking for my first concert. Soon as one come out that I can. Is that good one do I want to go to? Yes, I'm looking for my first concert and to do some of those things. But just to be able to have a well-balanced life um, and to have systems and things like that where my business really runs, you know, really runs pretty effectively with the team that we've built is exciting to me. That's awesome. And and one thing um, I know you mentioned is just time and understanding those things that are most important. And I think it's something that you have to, you sometimes, I guess we realize more so when we go through certain situations um, and it helps us reflect and, and then rethink how we're doing things or how we approach things or those things that are most important to us. And I remember at one point you said, Tom, I was like, I thought, okay, going out to all these networking events and then doing this. And and like you said, having multiple streams of income, which is important, but it's like, how do you go about doing that? And is is that taking away time from your family, which we already know kids don't stay little long, you know, you you better, you better stay, you know, spend that time with them while you can, because then next thing you know, they're off and they're out of the house or they're they're gone. So so definitely that's something that money, all the money in the world cannot buy, right, is, is time. So how did, your, how did your purpose come to you? Or yeah. Because you said you did a lot of things since you were age of 23. You've done a, a lot of different entrepreneur and, you know, activities or, you know, businesses. And I know women out there are just kind of trying to figure out what it is they want to be or what it is they think they should be doing. Absolutely. So I want to piggyback off the last thing you said because that's okay. so important. So in starting any business or any venture or anything, the most important thing is to figure out how you can have a mentor or a coach. So in business, you're going to spend one or two things. You're going to spend time or you're going to spend money. So if you don't have money, you spend time figuring out stuff. Mm-hmm. And that is where you see people going to every network event, <laughs> like on every Zoom call, <laughs> Because they don't know you're in that busy B stage. And so you don't know which one is going to be the thing. And you're trying to figure out how to get your sales down. So Mm -hmm. you're just doing it all. And and a lot of times you'll find that people without mentorship, without coaching, and that can come in different forms. I'll talk about that. It's like you're just throwing stuff at a dartboard and just hoping something sticks. Mm -hmm. So once you move from that and you actually get in the stage where you're you're making revenue. And for most people, you know, when you get to like a a business that's making between one hundred and forty nine thousand to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you've really started to hit a sweet spot where you can start to to have a salary. And at this point, you're probably having some systems in place and you definitely at this point have a full-time employee or a full-time assistant um, that is helping you on a regular basis. So you're not carrying out everything that needs to happen for your business, but other people are doing that for you and you have um, sales that are coming in on a regular basis. So I mentioned that only because a lot of times, you know, when people are in that busy B stage, it's like, how do I get to... How do I get to the revenue? And and that is the, the thing of where it takes the most time. Once you figure out what is sticking, what actually sells, and I tell people this all the time, don't get caught up in the pretty. It's not about the website. It's not about the copy. It's about actually selling. Who would buy your stuff if it was no website, if it was no copy? 
when you start making sales, then you can start to define and, and do all the other things. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, so that's that piece. Um, and that's how you get to a point to where you can have money coming in and you're not working so hard. Um, but time or money. So in coaching, you can, you know, you can have a mentor such as books. I invest in so many different books and there are so many ones that are great. I'm a part of two great big, uh, book clubs. I also am a part of We Should All Be Millionaires. Coach is Rachel Rogers. Absolutely amazing. Okay. Um, she just had a book that just came out recently. I would encourage you to get it if you are in business or you're thinking about it. I feel like it talks about all the things um, that could help any woman to be truly successful and it really starts with like figuring out who you want to serve, how you want to serve them, and then she gets you to selling right away. A lot of times women are really scared of selling because we want to be nice, we want to be prim, but you don't have a business if you're not selling something. <laughs> That is so true. That is good. You better, yeah. you better say that again. I'm always telling that. Matter of fact, I, I'm always even speaking that into my kids. Like, you're going to write a book. You're going to have a product. You're going to do this. And then now it's finally clicking. And I'm like, no, you you have to. I said, and now I've, I've written one book. I said, but that was many years ago. I'm already overdue for my second one. So yes, said, let's do the, it, sis. The thing is, at least get one done and then you know the process so that yes. you know what it's going to take to do it again. But yeah. do, do the one, get that one product or get that one book and have something to take you with you to the table. Or like you said, when you're going to speak to people or you, you're setting up as a vendor, trust me, I've done it many times and you, your vending fee was more than your sales were that day. Trust me. I've been there. Yes. Got the t-shirt and the banner. So, so you you have to keep trying until you find something that's good, but definitely have a coach. If you can't afford individual coaching, do group coaching. Mm -hmm. Or if you can't afford group coaching, get into somebody's Facebook group, somebody group that is actually, you know, offering different classes or something. You know, Mm -hmm. like even if it's just a course you buy offline, some type of training to help you along the way. And then as you start making more sales, you can invest deeper because there is levels to this. Mm. There is levels to growth. At every growth stage, there's going to be a different thing that you're going to have to tackle. And so having somebody who's already done it and you can go back to the group, like I said, I'm a part of We Should All Be Millionaires. Mm. And I can just drop in there and say, hey, guys, I got this going on or this going on and and then get that feedback has been phenomenal. Um, So that's one thing. I'll say that. And then I think you talked about purpose. For me, the reason why, you know, I truly am dedicated to serving women of color is because we are the baddest. When I say baddest in a good way, um, women on earth, you know what I'm saying? And especially here in America, we all around the world, we have been put down. We have been made to feel like we're not enough, you know, and it seems like things are always happening to us and not for us. Um, a lot of times when I think about our men, the way in which we have fought for black men, but when things happen for us, black men do not get on the street and fight for us the way we march for them. It's amazing. So for me, it's like, we have to lift us up and because we lift us up and I get us to thinking differently, we -hmm. accept different things. We no longer will accept somebody putting us down. We no longer accept not earning enough. We're going to figure out how to make that happen. We no longer are going to accept um, being in a relationship that doesn't benefit us as well as the other person, you know, and we will reprogram ourselves. And guess what? It causes the other parties, which is our black men, to then have to step up and to be better. And then, of course, the world then has to recognize. And even if they don't, 
This is who we are. And that literally is the stage in which we are right now. We literally are in this, this stage where black women are saying, hey, I, I'm not feeling good today. I'm not doing this. We're throwing down our tools like they did, you know, when we talk about those times of uh, when our people were enslaved. I use the word enslaved instead yeah, of slavery yeah. because to me, when, when I used to say slavery and I would hear them say it growing up in school, it was made to put like make me feel shame when they would talk about it instead of talking about all of our history and the fact that you stole us and you used us for free labor for hundreds and hundreds of years. We also, as a black person, this is just stepping on that topic. I don't know. I get on my soapbox. We, we literally have been made to feel shame. Have you ever heard this where it says, well, y'all been free for over a hundred years and and you're still living in the slums and you still don't have this or that. Mm -hmm. Okay. We've been free for a hundred years, but we were enslaved for for over 400 years and your companies were built off of our backs. So the Mm -hmm. bankers of America's, the chase, the, all the stores that you see, the big insurance companies, because enslaved people were uh, insured. And so when we passed, generational wealth was passed down to white people. So when you see that they're making $100,000 in savings mm-hmm. compared to only our, us having $5,000 in sa- savings per family, that was by design. That was by history. So we have a lot to catch up with, but it's not our fault. We don't need to feel shame. We've come a long damn way. We have. Yes, we, have. we have come we have. a long, a long yeah. way. So the statistics will have you feeling like we haven't done anything. Like, what have we been doing? You know, we've been fighting yeah. every day just to live. Yes, now sir. we're fighting just to, to have our mental health back. Yes. We, we're, we're women and people who have to transform. I know corporate mm-hmm. women who go in in the morning as Melanie and then, you know, they come out as Melania because they have to transform into somebody else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to up for that, okay? I <laughs> so it's like we've had to close our mouth when we see, you know, we're at yeah. the table in boardrooms and we're being yeah. passed over. We don't answer the question and they go to Susie. Susie, what do come you on. think about it? And you're like, okay. You just said, been yes. there. Absolutely. So we have come a mighty long way. And this is just our time of saying, we're just not going to do this anymore. Not this way. We're going to pay attention to ourselves and our bodies and we're going to have some black joy. That's right. We're not scared either. (laughs) Yes. And we're not scared. Absolutely. So you talked about mental health. Um, What ways are you contributing in the conversation to be able to normalize mental health? You know, like I said, I've been a counselor since I was 23 years old. And, you know, when I became a therapist, you know, almost, what, 22 years ago, it wasn't, we weren't going to therapy like we are now. We literally only were coming to therapy when it was mandated (laughs) or um, our more affluent couples, um, folks were coming to marriage counseling. So it really was therapy for affluent people. And now we're normalizing mental health for everyone. We recognize that all black folks, all black folks have been through a collective trauma. Each time someone has died, you know, like black lives move. This is trauma that we're experiencing secondhand. And so to say that we don't need treatment, we definitely do. We also recognize that it's a lot of guilt that we, we carry 
as black folks when stuff like this happens. And maybe maybe you are a person that moved to the suburbs and you got out of the hood. There's guilt of feeling like I got away and then I left my other family members behind. It's, it's a lot that goes into being a person of color, no matter what your status or class is. That is so Yeah. So I feel like... Um, I'm seeing all the celebrities come out now. I'm seeing all the, you know, the athletes, uh, uh, Meghan Markle. People are saying, look, I need to take care of me. I have, diff- I have issues and, and I'm taking care of it. And that yeah. is truly starting to normalize it for everybody else. And I think that's awesome. That is awesome. I'm so glad that people are, are speaking out more and more. And, and sometimes, like you said, it takes influential people to, yeah. to have their voice heard to say, you know what? It doesn't matter how much money. It doesn't matter what your status is. You definitely have to speak up and speak out about it. And I'm so glad that they're being vocal. You know, as absolutely, well. yeah. absolutely. So I started the sister circle because I think that was the question. What have you done? I yeah. started the sister circle um, at the top of COVID as a way to be able to have these types of conversations that we have in today on a weekly basis. And also to be able to invite more people into the therapy process who could not um, maybe afford individual sessions. And so, you know, they may not have had insurance or, you know, um, for me, like I, I mostly take just cash payments now. But they can come into the sister circle at this amazing rate and have the same conversations, could debrief on different things could talk about shame. You know, one month we processed resilience. That was last month. We did a series where we just decluttered our life. So each week people are coming back with different things they decluttered from emotional stuff to household stuff and getting clear about where they wanted to go. That is awesome. Definitely clarity, mental, a lot of that mental clarity comes from just cleaning up your area or your space. So yes. I think I, I think I, I forgot the book. I forgot the author, but the book is about minimalism, minimalism mm-hmm. and how sometimes they only have two or three pairs of shoes or they only have maybe so many outfits that they wear. And, and it's so that they can focus on so many other things in life besides what they're going to wear or, or what, what shoes, you know. So I thought that was interesting. Now, I don't think I'm going to go that far to be <laughs> <laughs> Based on the number of pairs of shoes that I have, so <laughs> that's not for me. You got to do what's for you, <laughs> but I just I thought have, that was interesting. <laughs> absolutely, and I have this thing of uh, one in, one out. Mm. So that is that's how I stay on track. Stuff like when I go summer shopping, mm-hmm. um, after I bring in my new things, I then discard old things. So it's one in, one out, and that keeps my stuff from being cluttered. And I love to go in my closet because I feel like when, when when I did the series of Declutter Your Life, mm-hmm. it was all about making sure that everything in your spaces were things that gave you absolutely joy. Oh, nice. So from photos to rugs to dishes in my cabinet, like if something is broken or ill, because this all, everything on our outside has a reflection like on our mental capacity to receive and to give. And so, like, if clothes don't give me joy anymore, they're tattered, they're whatever, they got to go. Yeah. Yeah. Got to go. I'm going through that purge right now, just getting rid of a lot of stuff. It's like, hey, if I haven't worn it, it's gone. And it's, yeah. of course, <laughs> not having to travel to client sites, everything been, you know, Zoom via Zoom. So it's like, I, my, definitely my wardrobe has changed over the last year. <laughs> 
not yes, as many indeed. suits and things. And so, so yeah. So, um, one thing you mentioned is um, you learned a lot, you know, in your journey, especially with having cancer. And so, what is, you know, what have you learned through that? And what how are you discovering now that you're in your mid 40s? I think, I think the biggest thing was just how important being in the moment is and having time. So I'm very intentional about setting boundaries with my time. Like for me, I have to have two days off together. So whether it's Friday and Saturday, Saturday and Sunday, most times it's Saturday and Sunday. Um, but I'm, I'm really intentional that when I'm off, I'm off. When I'm with my children, I'm with them. So I'm not with the phone. I'm not with my thoughts of, you know, what was happening at home or what's going on my business. Um, and I really just work to be present. Like, you know, uh, wherever I'm at, I'm, I'm in the conversation. And I feel like that's what my clients always say. Like, how do you remember X, Y, Z? Um, and it's because I was there with you. Like, <laughs> I was in the moment. I, I was remember. in the moment. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the lesson of cancer. It's like, don't take life for granted. You know, like you, we, we never know what could happen or when can happen. Uh, anything can happen. But take every day for God's grace that it is. Mm-hmm. You know, always have joy. You know, and so even when I'm sharing with people making money, making money can be fun. To me, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Anytime it gets into this want Thing where that feels desperate that's not fun that's not God this is the thing it's like when you do something and it's God it's almost like you just turn it on and it happens so I'll give you an example I have an Airbnb and I said this particular Airbnb I wasn't going to do this summer I literally like our last guest is, is going to be leaving soon and I said I'm going to um, let some girlfriends stay at this property and I, it's, it's, I said this, and then last night, I get this little bing where somebody wanted to rent it. So I looked at the amount, and my, my 10-year-old is sitting next to me. And then she said, oh, that's $600, Mom, for a couple days. She said, you're going to do it? Because I remember you just said the other – I said, yes, I am. And I went and turned it on, right? So <laughs> what was interesting was it was – and the, this person literally comes the next day after my, my guest leaves, the current guest. So it's not even that much time to turn it around. What I, what was interesting was I was, you know, talking about what we just said mm-hmm. is when you turn something on, God then infused, like you don't have to do anything with it. It's easy. It's okay. like you turn it on and it's from God. It's easy. It's not hard. When you notice you're trying to force something, then that's like he's literally telling you to go in a different direction mm-hmm. um, or you're, you're getting warm, but that's not quite it. So maybe you need to sit back and relax a little bit. Maybe you need to read a book, <laughs> see what else comes to you. Cause sometimes it's just a pivot. Yes. And many people, a lot of my friends, like, you know, during COVID we had to pivot, you know? And okay. so being able to make that pivot is so important and not trying to force something. So can you imagine like we were seeing so many people face to face and as soon as COVID had happened, we had to pivot to telehealth. Right. A lot of practices didn't make it because mm-hmm. There were older clinicians who were not used to using telehealth and felt like they couldn't make the same connection and just decided they were not going to do it. Mm -hmm. And now they don't have a practice because we were there for a year, you know, and our practice thrived because I was like every clinician that came in, I had been seeing my clients this way for years. So every clinician that came in, I trained them on how to getting, you know, get that same response, be able to tap in and learn. Like I taught them things that they hadn't even realized, but 
it was that pivot of saying, okay, it's time to make a shift. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you're right. Sometimes we do have to pivot. We do have to shift. You just got to be able to be keen to hear when you're supposed to pivot and how you're supposed to pivot. And like you said, don't rush it. Right. Because a lot of times we want things done in our time frame. Yes. "Ah, It might be a little premature for you to do that right now. So, yeah, you have to definitely make sure that you're hearing the right thing. So so what other projects are you involved in? I mean, you you've done a ton of things and I know you continue to. But (laughs) what is next? (laughs) The only thing like I was saying yesterday, like, oh, my God, things are so boring right now. This is and that sounds crazy, but sometimes it's like not much going on so it's just like it's clockwork how things work but one of the things that came up to me is I really want to do a documentary on healing and it came to me so I've been looking for um producers who can help me put out a documentary on healing that because I feel like the healing and the way in which black people interact with therapy is so different from other folks and there needs to be like some something told on that story that is so true. That is so true. And I know I can already see it. Like you said, okay, so documentary, who knows, director, producer, the list can go on and on, right? The thing is, I said, you know, people say there's a sky to the limit. Well, there is a galaxy in Melissa's world because, you know, she's way, way past the sky. <laughs> so, so. Yeah, as long as I'm having fun, I'm like, let's do That's it. it. Yes. And that's how we should live life. You should, like you said earlier, have that joy, do those things that create joy in your life, surround yourself by people and even items that give you that joy. And then that will help you hopefully um, overcome those things that you, you know, talked about those barriers or those obstacles that have maybe been put in your way or maybe from your past that you can heal past that. Um, right when you're doing the things hopefully um, that that create that space for you absolutely so if people want to get to know more about you or reach out for your services how can they get in touch with you melissa so they can go to visionworkscoaching.com and um, you know you can look at our about me page you can contact us here at the office Um, and i'm here for you you can also find me on facebook or instagram at Melissa Alaba, but definitely contact me with any questions. I definitely want to support you on your journey. And this is an exciting time for women, especially women of color. So I'm just happy to be on this planet during this time. I know that's right. I thought about the same thing. I was like, wow, I could say I remember when the the big screen was truly a, a, a fat screen because it wasn't even big. <laughs> <laughs> Because the, the picture, too, was so big. I remember when the cell phone was a bag cell phone. Yes. I mean, I guess I'm tell, telling my age now, but to see technology or to even see things in history, historically, what people are doing, and we still see a lot of first-timers um, doing things, first-time African-American, especially women, doing things and breaking down barriers, it's definitely an exciting time to be living and to be doing new and fresh things, so... Like you said, just continue to reinvent yourself and find those things that, that bring you that joy. And uh, if you're stuck or if you need that additional help, so you know, like you said, surround yourself with that sisterhood, that circle of mentorship or, or even those books that are going to help you to grow as well. So, Melissa, I thank you so much for joining me this evening. I know our listeners, they're just going to be, this is definitely a treat. 
And so um, thank you again for you and your time, your, your precious time, taking that out to be on the show this evening. Thank you. <laughs>